What's up everybody, this is Andy Morales and welcome to a new edition of Unraveled Influence. My guest today is Carlos Medina. Brother, how are you? Good, good. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. So, we're going to get right to the point right here. Um, So, how did all this stuff um, start with you? Tell us what you do, how long you've been doing it, and you know, how did everything start? You see, I started writing in 2017 um, after a divorce. And from the on, I just, you know, started sharing my my feelings on Instagram and I started seeing that it resonated with a lot of people and from there I just took it from there. Wow. And um, I know you do a lot of uh, publishing company and stuff like that. How did that start for you? Like what, what made you want to do that? So when I first part, when I published my first book, um, I had a little issue with the publisher and um, I decided, you know, these, these people overcharging us, you know, writers for, for this stuff that's easy. And uh, I said, you know what? like. I, I gotta be that change and I decided to just go in and start publishing and you know look look into all the details of how to publish and what do I need to do and how to help people out and that's what we've been doing so far it's been pretty good can't complain about it amen amen and my I guess my question my next question is like how important for you is to to help people like how important is that to you and what do you hope to achieve let's say like even after let's say we all pass on and stuff like that. What lasting impact do you, you know, hope, you know, what do you, what are you looking to achieve after we're all long gone and stuff like that? I think, uh, the thing that I would, it's more of, a seeing the, the, how, how people react when they get their first book or knowing that, you know, I helped them be, I helped them get their words out there that they were so afraid of doing and they didn't have a, a way of doing it or they couldn't afford to do it so it's more of a being that that gateway for them to be able to do it and helping them you know be moral because at the end of the day when you publish your your book your words out there they're gonna outlive you you know and it could be years from now 100 years from now and people are gonna look back and read your words and they're gonna resonate Oh, amen amen um i know for me like um i started writing because um, my father used to write a lot like he was writing stories poetry even though he, he's not published or anything like that but i remember my dad used to always write and one day i was just you know i was experiencing feelings that i really didn't understand because you know i grew up in a hispanic household where unfortunately no one really talked about stuff like that no one talked about mental health no one really explained the stuff we were going through and then anytime we would have any kind of conversation to that degree it was always like shush you know so it was always that kind of stuff and we had to just keep it to ourselves so for me writing became like the piece i guess the instrument that i needed to unleash all those feelings out and also whether it's music and then music used to inspire me a lot and then just over time, as I've gotten older, I met other people that had stories and, and that's what inspired me to really more, you know, just to keep doing what I'm doing, you right. know? So, and I think that's what it is. It's all about like having a story, which is why I started doing this podcast too, because everybody has a story they want to tell. And it just seems like there's no, there's not, there's not an opportunity for a platform out there, unless you're famous or whatever the case is. And I think, you know, like you doing what you're doing with the publishing company and then, you know, me doing the podcast and other people too. I hope that we could be that bridge to inspire others to want to do the same thing too, you know? That's the goal, huh? Because yeah. now, nowadays, you know, you gotta remember that we, we was raised, um, 
you have to hold your you have to hide your feelings. You have to hold this you have to hold the pain in. Because uh and at a young age for us, you know, Latinos, we was uh we was taught like, you know, oh you're not supposed to cry. Oh uh -huh. you're not you're not supposed to this you know, but as we grow older, like we hold all that in and writing is the way just to let it out. You know, once we let it out we in a way we help others in their journey heal, but at the same time we're healing ourselves. Right. Because it's something that's been within us that's been within within us that you know had to come out. So that's that's the beauty of, of writing and of sharing what you feel. And hey, it's not for everybody. It's not gonna re resonate with everybody. But you know, you will get a few people that will understand, are going through the same thing that you're going through, and will appreciate what you write. Nah, amen. That's what it is too, because it's all about the connection, the um, just being able to relate to everybody. Because let's say. Um, because one thing I've learned about life too Let's say you and I could have a uh, Let's say we both went through the same event But we experienced the event differently mm -hmm. Because the perspective was different Or we, we understood it differently You know, but I like the fact that Let's say we can talk about whatever is that, oh, But I can relate Because yeah, maybe we had experienced We experienced those things differently But we have that understanding that yeah But the fact is, this is what we went through This is what traumatizes, this is what it all came down to well yeah and um i think i wrote this in 2018 i said pain is a universal language yeah understood by everyone it doesn't matter you know what what type of pain pain is just one word pain everybody, everybody experiences it different but it relates to every single body because we all experienced it we all been through it we all we all felt it in a different way a different degree and we are all trying to heal from it or survive from it you know survive yeah. what, what we've been through so yeah no no yeah no i feel you on that i mean i, I like the fact that you know like i could read a word and then it speaks to me in that way like wow okay this guy understands what i'm talking about like i never met this guy before in my life i never met this person in my life but yeah this person understands because one thing i like is like you said pain's a universal language and i agree with you on that because Let's say I have these feelings. You know how sometimes you feel something, but you don't know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. But then there's always somebody that went through it and the way they break it down, the way they explained it. And it's like, wow, I never knew how to get the words out. It's like mm -hmm. you did it for me. Mm -hmm. And to read pieces like that, whether it's music or art or poetry or just even writing uh, like short stories too. Like, yeah, and, the, and, and not only that, but even even reading pieces like that it's now you, now you have different decisions to make should i go through it this way should i go through, now you have a whole bunch of different you know uh, you have a whole table full of oh you could do it this way you could go through it this way you could go through it this way or this way you get to pick now which yeah. way is going to help you to to heal better so that that's the beauty of, of, about it you know no, I agree. And you know what's crazy too? Like I was telling like the other people I've interviewed, people I've even interacted with at the poetry community. I think one thing that's beautiful about that, at least we can say, yeah, social media is not 100% bad. Like there is a community of people who genuinely just want to get to know each other and meet each other, or just even have a conversation, you know, to do what we're doing and stuff like that. Because you know, everything was always catfish and, oh, how do we know this guy is real? Mm -hmm. And you hear these nightmares, but the fact that, oh, wow, this is really... It, this is really is what it is and it's rare to find that but like that's why i like the fact that we could all come to community uh, yeah. together as a community you know as a community to actually do these kind of things you know 
And I like, it's like you said, you know, like the whole storytelling too, because it's it's very important, I think, in my opinion. No, no, no yeah, because um, like I said, I mean, everybody goes through it different. Um, my situation, you know, I went through a whole divorce. Even even when I uh, when I lost my uh, my first uh, my unborn child. Wow. You know that that was I wrote about it and I posted it in one of the books and um, everybody when you when you when you hear about a a, 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 a couple a, a couple that lost a child. The first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, how does she feel, blah, blah, you know, does she went through the pain she went through? Yeah, of course. But now you're hearing it from a guy's stand up point yeah. of view. So now, now you're getting a different feeling for it. Like, it's not only the female that went through it, the guys went through it too. You know, it's a whole different view. So, you know, to, to, that's that's also the, the thing about it, that, you know, you get to re you get to read it and you get to feel like, okay, now I, now I want to see this from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Wow, I know how the females feel, but now look at how the look at how the guy feel like that's that's horrible. Like that's painful, yeah. you know. So. And it's different too because you don't really hear a lot of guys talk about that. I know with me personally, when I first had my first child, um, me and my wife went through a lot. Um, I think to me, it's more like I, um, God put us through a lot of tests. Basically, I took it as this was a life learning lesson. Because um, one thing I learned about having a child too, you will learn a lot about yourself mm -hmm. that you probably never knew until you had that child. And, you know, my wife went through some postpartum stuff. Well, a lot of people don't realize too, um, guys can go through it too. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not in the same way as women do, but guys go through that too. You know, I went through a depression myself too. And I actually felt worthless. I felt like a piece of shit. Like I felt like, Oh, I'm a horrible person. I can't even do this. So I can't even help my wife do that. And, you know, it was very, very difficult process. And I didn't have anyone really helping. We didn't really have anyone helping us. You know, the only one I really helped was like my sister and then my wife's family. But, you know, through all that loneliness that we felt, you know, somehow, some way, God found a way. Okay, well, I'm going to bring certain people that's going to help you get this. And we started getting stuff from other people. Like she had a friend that um started giving us oh, oh this is my old baby clothes but you can use it for your son mm -hmm. like god you know pretty much god was just blessing us with that stuff but in that you know in going through that yeah i'm grateful and everything but then there's also the you know the the the, the stuff behind the doors that a lot of people don't talk about right. you know and depression's really really you know it's a really serious thing you know um like i, I couldn't even put into words what i went through but it was such a nightmare every two hours you know, just trying to, we barely got any sleep because that's, that's just how it is sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think with us men too, we're very prideful too, you know, I feel like us men, like sometimes we're too proud to admit that we're vulnerable because, Eagle. yeah, because you said earlier, you know, that's we was told, raised. yeah, we were raised, especially in Latino communities, mm -hmm. like you're not allowed to cry Oh, you're not a man. If you don't do this, you're not a man. If you don't act like this. You're not a man, or if you don't have sex with this many girls, you're not a man, you're a bitch, you're this. And, you know, that's the way I grew up. I grew up with a lot of verbal abuse, right. you know. And even though I, I don't think the verbal abuse was 100% intentional to hurt us. Right, but that's how, because that, it, it goes on from generation to generation. So, yeah. It, you know, they don't, they don't do it with intention to hurt us, but they, in their eyes, it's, oh, this is how you're going to be a better person. And in reality, you have to give. The parents some credit because if it wasn't for the way that we were raised and that kind of uh treatment we'd probably be, be worse this is true this is true that's true because you know it's funny too like um when we were eating at the restaurant earlier you know by the way thank you for the steak no, man the steak was delicious man 
Um, Choripan, you gotta check it out, guys. <laughs> but um, funny because I think about what you just said, right? And it's interesting to me because I see kids today, like generations today, and they don't really understand that struggle, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, you hear jokes about it all the time, but it's like, you know, these new generation, like, they don't know what it is to struggle, like, how we struggle. Like, for like in my case, you know, with the verbal abuse, being poor, and my parents not really having money. So, it's very interesting, though, because, right, like, I look at the generation today, they don't really understand that, you know, being poor, growing up like that. Because, for us, it was like, let's go outside and play in the park, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, kids, they, they, they're on the phones. Yeah, like yeah. I have an 18 year old, I have an 11, um, I, I, uh, 18 year old nephew, 11 year old niece, and they're always on their phone, social media. Because there was no social media when I was their age. Like, I remember when I was 18, it was starting, but it wasn't anything crazy like that. Mm. Like, it was like just little things here and there, like pretty much like the, the chat rooms. Uh, uh, America, America, AOL. AOL, Yahoo, and that's all really what it was. Mm hmm. And it's like MySpace. Yes, when MySpace first came out, I think that really changed yeah. the landscape. And then Facebook came out, that changed the landscape landscape for a long time. Because you see how social media is today. <laughs> I, I I never like met my Facebook because I always see my family uh, arguing. Oh and my posting god! Posting their whole life on uh, on social media. I'm like, oh. Oh angry. my god! Everybody knows everyone's yeah, business. So That's the like, bad thing about social media too. So I stay away from. It. I just I just post. And that's why. Yeah, but see, at least with Instagram, is a little bit different, you know? And even, but see, but that came TikTok, and it just seems like, okay. I can't get into TikTok. I'm getting into YouTube now. YouTube, yeah. I think it's going to be more. That's what it seems like. Everyone's going towards the I'm YouTube I'm going to take now. YouTube more to a personal level with, you know, me there talking. And, you know, no, of course. People just, you know, BSing with people. So it's going to be more, it's going to be more better. You get a more personal feel for the person actually behind the. Words, so no, oh, of course, of course. So, speaking of like YouTube and social media stuff like that, so, like, um, so what are you working on right now? Let's see, right now, we're working on the third, uh, the, the final uh, anthology healing, okay, we're finalizing that. We're working on a couple artists, their, their personal books. Uh, I'm finalizing my next book, which I'm hoping should be released by the spring. It's already edited and everything. Uh, let me see what else. I'm working on the YouTube channel. So that's another thing. So, yeah. That's about it. Awesome. So in the book that you're writing, so like what was the process behind that book? Like what inspired you to well, say, you know what, I want to write this book, the theme and everything. Like walk me through that. Well, see, when I started writing in 2017, I had I built this uh, routine that I, I had to write every day. Okay. And I committed myself to write every single day. Doesn't matter. That, doesn't mean that I posted every day, but I was writing every. Well, I did post every day at that time, but I, I every day I write and I wrote every single day nonstop. And that's from 2017 all the way to 2020, right before the pandemic. So every day I was writing. So when I released my books, even though I released uh, my my first book, um, the Phases of a Soul, I was already ahead of the, of myself. I was in writing my second book, Precious Pain. So when when I released the first book, I was already finishing up Precious Pain. And then when I was finishing up Pre- Precious Pain, I was already in my third book, uh, Cremating Past. And then uh, It Walked to Eternal Love and then Seeking the Unknown. I was already into those those books already. Like My writing, I could I could stop writing right now, which I haven't stopped writing for a while. But uh, I could publish right now with me not 
writing nothing, I could publish probably like three more books. So wow. Yeah. So I mean, when you, if you read my books, they all have faces of of human life, like you know, of human like what you go through. Wow. So if you read my books you, in order, you you'll see that I've gone through different phases. And um. Wow. Yeah. So this this next book is uh, Rebirth. Wow. That's what it's called, Rebirth, and um, it's parts of uh, me rebirthing myself. You know, wow. being a new me, evolving. So it's uh, yeah, I've I, I've put all those pieces together and put into a book. I think it's gonna be like three hundred and something pages. One of my biggest books. Wow. So far, and uh, it's gonna be available hopefully in May, hopefully, and it's gonna be available in hardcover and soft soft uh, paperback. Okay, and is this going through your publishing yes. company? Okay, publishing company, Mageso Publishing. Wow, Mageso Publishing. Nice. Yeah. So tell us more about the Mageso Publishing. Where where can we find out about it? If anyone's interested in writing a book and stuff like that, like tell us more about that. Yeah, you could send us a message at Mageso Publishing uh, Instagram channel uh, page, and uh, we'd gladly respond back. You know, pretty quick. Or you could send me a message. I have no problem answering questions over that at me so awesome awesome and um so yeah i know you told us about you know why you started it and stuff like that so um i guess my next question is you know i know you talked about rebirth um about you know you were talking about how you know this is pretty much rebirthing yourself like that walk me more about that like walk me through that a little bit more oh and this one you you're gonna when you read when you read rebirth it's gonna be more of a it's gonna be more of thoughts and uh the way i looked at i look at love and the way i've uh, i felt for a certain individual for many years which was she was like uh she was probably my, my inspiration you know when i was writing a lot of uh, love poems about love so you know and eventually you know it, it didn't work out between us but uh that person allowed me to expand my uh my view on how i see things and wow you know because when when you go more within you you you, you see more within you're gonna you're gonna understand more and you're gonna you understand more of life and understand more of yourself and understand the way that the, the thinking patterns of different people and, and that's, that, to me that's that's my rebirth it's more of understanding understanding of life itself understanding individuals being being able to not just listen but truly understand what they mean and how they feel and what they experience oh amen amen to that man so um i know for me like rebirth to me was when i came to the lord um you know let's be honest i, I was i was in a bad place for years and man like like when i i remember when i gave my life to the lord that day it was all it was august 20th i'll never forget it was like 8 45 9 o'clock at night i went to service and they were preaching about like how we rely on things mm-hmm. to um, just to get us through. But what we don't realize about it is that those things we rely on, they're temporary. Right. It's only for a little bit of time. But when you have Jesus, when you, you come, you know, you go into things of God, it's a little bit more internal now because there's a relationship now. It's intimacy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And everything that they were praying over me, prophesying me over about was exactly how I felt. I'm like, okay, this has to be real because this things I even... That I never even told nobody right. that even the person praying over me was um, saying to me, I'm like, wow, how did you even know? That? I never told nobody. I don't even know this guy. Mm-hmm. And they were doing that. And it's like, this is saying, God, God just knows how to work things, man. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know, and I feel like I've been rebirthed with that, you know, and I feel like 
I actually, I'm little by little, I'm still finding myself, but it's in the better place that I've ever been. Right. But as far as, um, like, the poetry community voice, I mean, um, poetry community goes, I feel like I definitely found my voice. And even though I'm still trying to navigate how to utilize my voice for better, how to really, um, pretty much, it, it, to, I don't want to say just make it better, but how to really utilize it in a way that it could impact others. Um, when did you When did you feel that you found your voice? <sighs> I don't know. See, see, I, I kind of felt that. See, because the way it worked for me was after I, I, I did. After my divorce, I was like so. In, I was so lost. You know, you know it was a five year marriage, and I was just lost. I'm like, damn. Like, <laughs> you, 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 I've hit the bottom here. Wow. So I just one day, I one day, I I, I started uh, sharing my uh, my feelings on Instagram, and somebody reached out and said, "Oh, this resonated with me," and I just kept it going. I kept going. I just kept on posting more. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should just keep posting what I feel because you know, as we go back, you know, that's how we was always like, you know, put down like don't don't express your feelings. So um, when I, I feel like I found my voice is like when I when I. And I feel like everything that I was writing, mostly everything was resonating with people. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, I didn't release a book till like, two years later because everybody everybody kept on asking me, like, oh, when are you going to release a book? When are you going to release a book? And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this, this, is, this is the way it's supposed to be. Like, so I, I feel like I found my voice, like, when I started, when I started seeing that, what I wrote resonated with people. Amen, amen. And then, do you believe, like, I mean, because I don't know, um, do do you believe that you finding your voice? Do you believe that that helped break barriers within yourself too? Because you know, I know, like I said, like us men particularly, I know we're very prideful. We have these walls, and yeah, we need these walls too. But I feel like there's certain walls that can't be broken. Do you think that that? Oh yeah. You definitely. finding your voice oh, yeah. has helped in that way, and in, in what way has that helped you? Absolutely. I was. A re I was I was, I was a real egotastical asshole. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was like a, I'm a Scorpio by nature, so it's like we're we're known to be evil and bad. So I was re I was very egotastical. So I always was driven by my ego, and um, when you have to when you surrender everything, and you know that you have to surrender everything to actually understand that you don't need to understand everything. Yeah, that's that's the moment that you like okay, I'm, I'm on a different journey. Like I'm on a different path. Like okay. And you, you just feel it. You you feel this calmness within, this peace within, and it could be so chaotic around you. And, and don't get me wrong, we're human. We're gonna feel the chaos. We're gonna feel the hurt. We're gonna feel the pain. But within you, you still have the ability to stay calm and and know that you know it's it's gonna go the way it's meant to go. Right. And I think that's what it is too. Like I think, like especially with us men, I feel like we always had to have this sense of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like when we can't control anymore, we can't grab the wheel anymore, I guess you can say, yep. then it's like it gets frustrating because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I was used to doing this and everything used to go my way. What happened? Yeah. And I think that's when those situations, like you said, I think those situations really humble you. Yeah. It definitely, I mean, it humbled me a lot, especially like, I think, um, I always tell myself, like, even though, you know, I'm 30, I'm going to be 38 now, but I feel like I didn't become a man until my son was born. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. When I got married and then I had my first child, that's when I felt like, okay, that's when I officially became a man. Because before that, I think I was always a boy, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
because, like I said, I've learned things about myself that I, I, I didn't even know was there. And I realized, you know, I'm a lot like my father in so many ways that it's that generational stuff mm-hmm. that I'm like, yo, I, I, got, I got to change this. And I, like, I think the minute we humble ourselves and surrender and the minute we realize, okay, like, I, okay, this this cannot continue. Mm-hmm, yep. That's when we realize, okay, now it's time for us to make the change, and that that process is hard, and it's interesting to me because, see, the thing is, like, and I I always talk about my wife with this. I know it's the older generation, like our parents' generation, they don't give back. Mm-hmm. I notice, like, for example, like let's say for example, okay, you give us advice about stuff, and it comes out so harsh. Right. And it's like, okay, but you say it in a way like, as if you're supposed to understand what, what I'm, like, I'm supposed to understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if I ask you a question, that means I wasn't listening. I was like, no, it's not, I, I don't understand what you're saying. You have to show me. But they didn't have that thing where, although I don't have to show you that. Like, no, like, I'm telling you what it is. Okay, but not everybody could just learn like that. Sometimes right. if people, I, I'm a visual person. You have to show me what that looks like. Mm. You can tell me, okay, don't drive this car without my permission but okay but you have to explain to me why you know because i want to understand where you come from so i don't do what you're so i do what you're telling me to do right right because it could be a situation like okay like i don't want you to drive this car because you don't have a license let's say or because let's say you drive this car without permission and something happens and i don't know about it or whatever the case is and i feel like that was the issue with my parents especially in hispanic culture they don't really give back in that way whether it was all about oh you have to just do this when they give you the finger you know mm-hmm, the, the yeah, yeah. you know i say it and that's it it just seems like we're supposed to just understand and i think with me i'm trying hard not to be like that yeah, because to them it's like well, it's my way of the highway. You don't have to ask me questions. Just do what I tell you, and that's it. <laughs> that's the way we was raised. Yeah. It's, no, I said do it like this, and that's it. Oh, but why? It doesn't matter. Why? Just do what I told you. Right. And it's like, because what if I don't agree with you? Mm-hmm. Then it's like... You're going to get the chocolate? <laughs> yup. And that's what I'm saying, too. Like, kids don't... People, today's civilization does not understand that. Like, dude, like, like that kind of discipline for us, that's like... I mean, I look back now, like, okay, yeah, that, that actually did be justice because it made me the person I am. Mm-hmm. Did I agree with everything my parents did? No, but I understand why yeah. they did what I did. Like, kids today, you hit them, oh, I'm calling Dyfus. Like, I think that was their goal, though, at, at, that, at that time. This, you know, I think they, they knew that we'd be able to understand one day and look back and appreciate what they did. So I think that was their goal. And I, and I don't think that everything they did was... I mean, I mean, I talk to my mom about this right now all the time and... and She's even cried about it. I'm like, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. Like, come on. Like, I understand why. Now I understand what you what you meant by this and that. Right. I get it. Like, it could have been easy, a little bit easier, but you know, I get it. But uh, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And I think it's too like it also stems from how they were raised. Mm-hmm. Because my father was a 1950s Puerto Rican, and you know, typical old school like. My father was the guy. My mom was the housewife. That's how it was. Mm-hmm. And even if your even if your husband's wrong, you're supposed to take his side. That's mm-hmm. it. No matter what. Like this is just how it was. So we were wrong. No, it was like us versus them type situation. That's mm-hmm. the way we grew up. And you know, my father never really talked to us about the birds and the bees, or they never really gave us that bite. Like let's say if we were going through a tough time, they never really sat down with us and 
really talked about stuff like that. But I hope that, you know, as my son gets older, hopefully I, I, I will break that barrier yeah. where I can have that conversation with my son. Like, hey, look, don't feel like you can't talk to me about stuff. Maybe I'm not going to understand certain things because, I, you know, I'm, I'm not as... I'm not the same age range as you, but just know that I'm old enough to understand that, hey, I've experienced what you experienced. Maybe it might not be the same mm -hmm. in that same way, you know, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's interesting how life has changed. You know, um, you're from New York, right? So like, right. I, like how, how has New York different in your eyes from the time you were born and raised there to like how it is today? <sighs> well, I don't know. I mean, when I, when I grew up, it was a lot more drugs on the street and everything. But I think that there was still that respect, you know, of your elders. <laughs> yeah. Like, you wouldn't see none of those uh, kids smacking elders in the street just for the hell of it or, or no way. Like, you wouldn't see none of that stuff. So I think there was more respect in the old days because, you know, I, I guess because of law and stuff like that nowadays. But um, it's, it's, it's different. It's different since I was from where I was growing up, when I was growing up. Wow. Um, I, I wish we could go back in time, but, you know, unfortunately we can't do that. But this is what it, what it is, you know. Who knows going to be in 10 years from now. Right. And I, th and I feel like the respect is losing itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because there's not a lot anymore. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't exist anymore, but it's not as much anymore. You don't see it as much anymore. And I don't know if it's a millennial thing or what it mm, is. I think it's... I said this in 2008. I said in 2008, I said, um, the future, they say that the future is going to be run by robots. And I always said, we are going to be the robots because the way people are with their phones, and this is 2008. Yeah. And this is when I had Blackberry. The Blackberry. Oh my God. I, I, I didn't have iPhone. This is when I had Blackberry. Blackberry, the Psychic yeah. 3, all that. So and now, as I, as I see it now, and I'm like, wow, like, it's crazy how I, I said this is 2008. 14 years later yeah and it's pretty much becoming like that because you see people walking the street with their phones on get hit by cars they don't even, they don't, they're in a whole other world yeah you know? it's funny too because not even just phones but you ever notice how even like transportation has changed too because not everybody has a car mm -hmm. i see a lot of people now they're riding scooters yeah. they're riding electric bikes like like i ride a scooter sometimes to work when it's nicer out not when it's cold and it's interesting because I can get from Bayonne to Jersey City in like 30 minutes mm. on a scooter. And mm. mine's only go like 20 to 25 miles an hour depending on the, the streets and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yo, like how crazy. Because maybe back when I was growing up, that stuff didn't even exist. And if it no. did, you didn't really hear about that because that's crazy. We used crazy. to have the little, uh, oh my God, he used, he used to, I think it was called scooter too. You used to have with the foot, with the foot pedal, like a skateboard, but with the whole stick and everything. Yeah. What was it with Oh my god! I remember the mopeds too. Which it's it's like you go to Hoboken, you go to Brooklyn, you go to Williamsburg, you go to Manhattan. You see these things. You could use your phone to rent a scooter or a moped, mm -hmm. and you could drive around it like it was nothing. But this is what it is. You don't even need a driver's license anymore. Just drive a scooter. Yep. Right? These e-bikes, these mopeds. There's mopeds. There's something you have to have. A, I guess the faster you go, I guess that's when you have to start having a license, if I'm not mistaken. But I know the ones that you have now. Where you can just pick it up in the middle of the street, scan your phone. Okay, here. Uh, even like the the city bikes. Yeah, the city bikes. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just tremendous how so much has changed. Like how you, it, it's interesting 
You know, like, would you imagine, though, like, even today, like, with the bags, well, like... When I, when I was a kid, I always pictured this year to be, like, the year that flying, uh, flying skateboards and flying cars. Like, flying cars. You, you watch Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh, there's hoverboards. Yeah, the hoverboards. Like, <laughs> like, you, you picture this all the time, you know, happening, but we got to get there soon, I'm sure. Oh, my God. It's insane. I'm sure in 10 years, it's going to be, like, 75% electric cars. Nah, I feel you, bro. I feel you on that. Um, so yeah, so t- tell me more about like life experiences that you had. Um, I remember when we were eating earlier, you was talking about nine eleven and how it impacted you and stuff like that. Um, I guess my question is like, like how how does that how has that changed your perception now compared to life? Mm-hmm. You know, life now, life then, or whatever. Like, like in what ways has that? In what ways has your Perspective of perspective of life change. I guess is my quick uh, question. Nine eleven. Um, I was working right across the street from the World Trade Center. Wow. The whole thing happened, and um, like we were talking about earlier, I was I was had a, one of the customers at the store because I work at a deli. So we had had one of the customers at the store. He was telling me that uh, the whole nine eleven was just a uh, uh, an illusion. Uh, you know, it was all created by a machine, uh, computerized stuff like that. There was no planes of that. And I'm like, dude, like I lived it. So, but you know, um, being there and, and seeing the whole thing happen, and you know, the building falling and running, and you know, <clears throat> people falling from the from the windows, stuff like that, it kind of make you appreciate life more because yeah, you don't you don't know uh, when is your time. So you got you got to learn how to appreciate life more. And um, that was like the whole turnaround point of me appreciating life because you know, it comes a time like you always have to have an impact right in life. So there's different kind of impacts. Some could be small, big, large, you know. So there's always an impact to hit, to hit something in your life. So that was an impact for me to like appreciate life more. And you know, all right, you know what? Let me just be regular. You know, don't do nothing crazy because you never know. Right. Cherish the time with your family. So then you get the the impact of you know losing a child, and then you're like, wow, like you know, you got. What, what would have been? What, what would have been? You know, how, that painful moment, like, oh, this right. is my, my father's experience. Or, then you have the one you losing your 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 your, your wife in a, in a relationship. You know, you get divorced from that your partner. So that's another type of impact. So there's always one, but there, there's always an impact. But there's there's always gonna be one that's gonna reach the deepest part of you. Oh, of course. And that one is the one that's gonna really awaken the inside of you. Like, wow, okay, what 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 are you here for? So are you here to do this or are you here on a spiritual journey? What's your journey? Right. And that's, you know, the one with the divorce, that's that's, that's the one that hit me the most. Because that was, the, you know, when, I don't know, to me, when I when I was, when I'm, you're married now too. Was, I mean, you dedicate your, you devote your whole life to this marriage. Right. To, not not to a person, because I don't believe you devote your life to a person. That's that's BS. You don't, you right. don't dedicate your whole life to a person or devote your life to a person. That's BS. You devote it to the relationship, to the marriage, because... You're building a foundation, you know, for the next generation. You have right. a child now for your next generation. So you devote your whole life to that. When that gets ripped away from you, what are you left? You know, as a man, yeah. as a man what are you left with? Like, fuck. Your whole, everything you lost, you lost everything right there. So that was my biggest uh, impact. I mean, that was, I hurt more than me running in the 9-11 to the South Street Seaport. Wow. The falling, so. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think for me, like... I think my biggest awakening for me, I think, is when my dad passed away. Because mm-hmm. it was one of those situations I would have never thought he would die first. Um, I, I've had this conversation with my sister where I said, well, 
my mom always had all these health issues. I thought my mom was going to go first. I mean, right. I love my mom, you know, no disrespect mm-hmm. to my mother, but I thought she was going to be her first. Never did I think my dad would be the one first. And I only said that because he was very athletic. He, he used to play in, like, in Brooklyn, Lindsay Park. Um, he used to play, like, the old-timers league, mm-hmm. the baseball. Mm-hmm. And he was so athletic. Even at age 65, 66, 69, he was, like, playing baseball. He was lifted. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. And that's just how he was. He was very, you know, very spirited person. Like, just, you know, enjoying life. You know, go for his walks. Or, you know, go food shopping with my mom. And then he would read his book. But he was very healthy for the most part. And um, he died from pancreatic cancer. He never mm-hmm. really, like... But he didn't have any symptoms. Right. The only thing, this all started from my understanding. He had back pains. And they went to go for the back pain. They found that he had kidney stones. But then in the process of that, they saw this large mass. Like, oh, what's this though? And that's when the whole journey, like this, I don't want to say journey, but this is when the whole thing happened. Mm -hmm. And and this is one of the few times in my life that I saw my father vulnerable the way he was. Mm -hmm. I've never seen my father hug my mom so many times. And even my sister talks about it would be too like she like maybe like in that same hour she probably hugged him 20 30 times like mm-hmm. it's one of those things like wow this is the first time i actually saw my father vulnerable i saw him scared um this is the one time he was not confident about himself or nothing and it's it, from that time from the time he passed away i could honestly say that hit me hard to the point like wow it's so funny how you could have all this and just like that is taken away from you or how someone could be in your life for a long time and just like that they vanish. And that really hit me hard. And then me being a parent now, it's like, whoa, like I look at my son and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. what I wouldn't do for this kid, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm But I think my main hope is, you know what, that no matter what I go through, you know, let's be honest, because I know I'm going to fuck up somewhere down the line. That's just going to fucking happen. But at the end of the day, it's like, I want to I want to make sure that I don't become or I don't inherit everything my father has done when it came to my ch- when it comes to my son whether it's being overprotected or or being very smothering to death that he's going to push me away kind mm-hmm. of thing you know and that's the, that's the fear that I have well you already you already learned the first lesson Just realizing it <laughs> right but now you know the lesson you learn you learn okay this is the first lesson to learn now, how do you change the habit? How do you break that generational curse? Or how do you break that cycle where you, like, you know, I know, I know it takes discipline and strategy and stuff like that, but how, you know? And, mm. that, and that's the thing I'm still trying to ask well, God myself. I don't think it's more breaking the pattern or a strategy. I think it's more of being you because you already, internally, you already know what's the problem or what, what was the problem. So now every time you, talk to your child now you know you, you have to approach you have to approach him with you you being you not being what your father told you but you right as, as you would treat your own self like, the way you want to be talked to and i think that comes with the uh, time because now now when you look at your child's eyes you're gonna see a reflection of you not your father so now you're gonna treat him probably the same way but with a different character different understanding you know, right. better understanding of you know you're my child. Right, so, right. It's, it's, it'll come natural. It'll come normal. It comes with feeling. You know? Nah, I feel you on that, man. I feel you so much. Uh, so, uh, I guess with that, I think we're going to just bring this to a close. But do you have any last words or any last things you want to say? No, man. I really appreciate what you're doing here. And I uh, appreciate you coming out. <laughs> and no, no doubt, man. No, this has been a fun night, you know. Conversation, you know? 
enjoying the steak and uh, you know hopefully that the first and last one hopefully is uh, we have more to come yes amen yeah for because I know there's some poets I have known in in the tri-state area guys let's let's meet up somehow let's have this feast and I'll be great man like uh so um Carlos thank you so much for being a part of this with me thank you for being a part of this uh I guess you could say a part of this movement because mm -hmm. I, I really think this is a movement uh, mm -hmm. of new things, especially for this year now. Um, I, I think I was telling Leon this. Um, I don't know if I ever told you. I, actually, I don't think I even told you, but I know I told Leon this. As a matter of fact, like you and um, Angela Murray and even um, Eddie Racy and who else? And Leon and even Robert Kazi. As a matter of fact, you guys were the reason why I continue to do this. Mm. So even though I had, had a few hiatuses here and there, but then there was this moment where, okay, you know what? There was something missing in the podcast. And when I just, when I, and the way God just used me and Leon to like reconnect with each other. And now here, you know, like now he's like my co-host and stuff like that. Like, you know, but you were the one that mainly the one that pushed me to be like, hey, we got to just do it. Because remember how I remember that conversation mm -hmm. we had where we was talking about, you know, like it's kind of hard when it's just one genre. And yep. then you what you said to me, I think, is what really said, all right, I'm going to just do it. He said, dude, you got to just do it. That's all it is. Yeah. I think that's what it that, that it was that comment that said, you know what? That's it. I'm going to just do it. And wherever it goes, I'm going to let God take the will with that one. You know, and I t like I tell everybody, everybody tells me, like, oh, but you, you, I'm like, I, you know, it's not really me. I'm just a reflection of you. And when you're talking to me, I'm being your reflection. So it's really what you really want. You're telling me it's what you really want. And I'm just bringing it back to you. Right. <laughs> it's really what you want. And maybe you just need somebody else to tell you. Yeah, it's like confirmation. Yeah, there you go. You know, like when you go to church and the preacher tell you to all this stuff, you would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And there you go. You confirm, it's confirmed. <laughs> amen. Amen. So, brother, thank you so much. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. All right, God bless.